Hello and welcome to the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. This is Brian Strausser, Principal and Chief Executive here at BrightPath. And in episode 176, I want to talk about year two of your crisis management program. So I want to set the stage. You've had a long year in year one, working with consultants, querying and coordinating across your organization. You've built out a crisis management framework and plans and messages. You've had tabletop exercises and you have finally checked the box on set up a crisis management program. Your crisis management plans are neatly collated in binders and on SharePoint and you've got backup copies. Uh, It's kind of like uh, that extravagant fire extinguisher you have on the wall. It's radiating glowing beams of polished red and says, take that the next crisis that I'm faced with. But this is not the time to get smug or complacent in your efforts. One of the biggest misconceptions we see is that you get over the hurdle of year one of your crisis management program. You've expended all of this effort to get things into place, and now you're done, right? It's a one and done event. You don't need to do any investment or do anything else in year two, right? You're done, right? The standards don't tell you what to do In year two, it says, here's the thing you have to have in a place to have a crisis management program. And that is not true. I want to make sure that your program doesn't atrophy. It doesn't dissolve as people move on to other roles or people just forget about the program. You have to continue like you would at a bank to make regular deposits into your crisis management bank account, starting in that year two, to make sure that this doesn't happen. So I want to talk about why stepping up your crisis management efforts in year two is so critical to your program's long-term success and how to do it well. At the risk of maybe overly thinking about this or or delving into a controversial topic, I think it's kind of helpful to think about effective crisis management programs as resembling vaccinations. A vaccination is designed to anticipate a threat that you're going to be faced with. And after thoroughly researching and documenting that threat and deconstructing that threat, experts then introduce something into the system that's designed to counter and mitigate it. It's a vaccine. But in both of these cases, the threat evolves and it changes over time. And our understanding of that threat changes as well. That's why vaccine makers track things like vaccine effectiveness and and, uh, uh, complications and errors and issues, and they modify the formula to account for things they learn but also they account for how the virus has changed. The same should be said about your crisis management program. If you want your crisis response to actually be effective against all of the pesky types of crises that can derail your company and ruin your reputation and derail your operations, then you have to continuously and regularly invest in your crisis management program. So how do you do that? The first is in year two, you have to continue to build a culture of resilience. You have to build a culture of resilience within your organization. Now, we think of a resilience culture as a way of thinking, acting, and planning within your org that helps you better respond to change, disruption, and crisis. It doesn't have a clear-cut ROI, and it takes time. But we think fostering a culture of resilience is arguably one of the top things you can do to get buy-in for your business continuity and crisis management program. Year one is about getting your plan and your framework and your program rooted in the organization. 
But year two, you should emphasize creating a culture of resilience that gives your program the fertile ground it needs. It will let it flourish and grow. The best way to do that is to know your crisis management program story. What are the whys and the what's and the hows of your program? And you should continually look for opportunities to reinforce that story, to share that story within your organization. That means getting on the agenda of leadership and departmental meetings and sharing your program story. It means hosting lunch and learn events to educate and provide a forum for discussing your program. It means leveraging annual events, National Preparedness Month and National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, for example, to showcase your program and the importance of crisis management as a discipline. The second is to implement a crisis management lifecycle. Now, a lot of businesses will think about crisis management as just this linear process we go through, but it sh we should think about it as a life cycle. Threats to your business will inevitably change, and your capability to respond to those threats will also change because of how you invest in training or changes in staffing or technology and other tools. So we need a set schedule for reviewing your crisis management inputs, your plans, your documents on a regular basis. We want to make sure everything is up to date and that your plans and your capabilities are optimized for your current threats. It doesn't have to be anything complicated, but we recommend a four-step process. Assessing your threats and the potential impacts on your business, adjusting and improving your plans based on the new threats, exercising your plans as a part of training or in responding to actual crisis events, and then maturing your program by gleaning the lessons learned from those exercises and actual crises, and then adjusting your plans and capabilities and your program accordingly. The important thing is to make sure you get these steps on your calendar. You do these at regular intervals, and you do them to make sure that your plans and your documents are reviewed on a consistent basis. Our third recommendation is to recruit and empower champions of your program. We talked before about having an executive sponsor but it's critical that you engage and equip the people on your crisis management team and other involved stakeholders to be champions for your program. They can serve as important force multipliers in spreading your message within the organization. Ideally, your champions should be people who already get it. They understand the importance of business continuity and crisis management. They should have the skills and capacity to translate that message across your organization. Starting from the top down with those who are the most passionate about your mission, then take the time to actively meet with your program champions. Ask them questions about their own departmental objectives, the roadblocks, and the obstacles that they're encountering, and how you can help them empower, be empowered in their crisis management roles. The fourth is to ensure that you have accountability with your senior executives. Whether your business is highly regulated or not, it's up to you as a leader to demonstrate to your customers, your investors, your auditors, your regulators, that your company's equipped to handle unplanned crisis events and get back to business safely and quickly. What many senior leaders don't understand is that their responsibility doesn't stop after year one of your crisis program either. As the program owner, it's your job to educate them on the whys. Why do they need to care about crisis management in the second and following years? And what are their respective obligations to fulfill their board or executive duties to this end? You can help forward their understanding by getting them involved in training and exercises so they set the example for the rest of the organization. And two, you can provide them with metrics 
and after action reports or case studies after incidents or exercises that show the value of the program, that show that return on their investment of time and treasure in crisis management. And then lastly, just like you had a plan to implement your crisis management program, you should have a plan to mature your crisis management program. You'll discover that your program goals and objectives will change over time, as do your internal and external threats and inputs that influence those goals. You need to have a plan to intelligently mature your program over time. And that means annually asking some questions uh, as a part of that planning process like, where's our organization headed in terms of strategy, business objectives, and long-term goals? How can our crisis management program support that strategy? Have our crisis management objectives changed from the first year of our program? What do we want our program to look like in the years ahead? What's it going to be in year three, in year four, in year five? And how do we set the foundation for that today to get there in three to four years? And what other resiliency capabilities do we need to build out? Do we have a business continuity program, for example? Do we have good IT disaster recovery capability? Have we thought about long-term support in a recovery for our employees? And what are our organization's new objectives? And how will that change our resource commitment? And how can we make sure that our program is properly aligned to help fulfilling, help fulfill rather, those larger organizational goals? So if you're a crisis management owner seeking to optimize and mature your program and other resilience efforts, don't forget to invest in year two. The end of implementation is only the beginning of the growth and maturity of your crisis management program. That's it for this edition of the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. I'll be back next week with another new episode. Be well.